All right. Well, uh, this morning we are beginning a new series. And as I'm looking around, I don't see many buttons on you. Okay? And so I just want to encourage you, don't leave this morning without a button. All right? And be sure to wear this during the week because this is a reminder of uh, what God would have us be doing. This morning we're going to be talking about alignment and getting in tune with God's plan and purpose for our life. Uh, we are ambassadors for Christ and God wants us to represent Him. And uh, we are going to be going through Colossians chapter 4 this morning. We're going to look at verses 2 through through 6. And uh, it's uh, my prayer that this message will encourage you to get in, in line, in alignment with God's purpose for your life. So Colossians chapter 2, 4, I'm sorry, chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse 2. The Bible says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the world, for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This morning we're going to be looking at prayer and the power of prayer and Prayer is essential if we're going to get in line with God's purpose for our life. And uh, as we go through this series, uh, you're going to hear various testimonies of uh, how God has used others to bring uh, loved ones, uh, friends, co-workers uh, to Christ. And this morning, our very first person out of the chute is Ruth Long. I don't know if you know Ruth, but uh, her and her husband have been members of our church for just about a year now. And uh, Ruth is uh, very involved in their, our um, women's ministry in particular. And uh, Rick and Ruth are part of uh, Susan and I's life group, and we kind of share uh, home home uh, hospitality duties uh, every other month. But Ruth, come on up here. She's very nervous, and uh, I was... I was going to say she has nothing to be nervous about. This is, uh, Ruth, this is the easiest crowd to, to speak to. All right? So they're going to go very easy on you. Stand in light. Okay. I am really nervous, but um, just give you a little background of where I come from. I, my family uh, was not Christian. I was not raised in a Christian home. Uh, it's a fairly dysfunctional family. There was emotional, physical abuse. Um, Dad was a career soldier and uh, came back from Vietnam as a functional alcoholic, which is, for those that don't know, is he could go to work five days a week, but the weekends were spent drinking. And uh, so that's how we lived and uh, moved a lot. And uh, about <clears throat> excuse me, 18 or 19, I realized I needed more in my life than what I had. 
and started going to church with my cousin, local Baptist church, and uh, subsequently met Rick and his family, and uh, we started dating, and he took me home to his parents who could have questioned him, being with this uh, girl that didn't know Christ, but um, they took me in and loved me. We got engaged, and about a week before we were married, uh, I asked Jesus into my heart, and uh, so we were married, and he joined the service, and we moved 2,000 miles away. Uh, during my early uh, walk with Christ, I was taught that we should be praying for our loved ones, and I, I lost people, and who was more lost than my family, so I started praying, and prayed off and on for quite a while, even to, as I learned more about prayer and, and to fast. I even fasted and prayed for a while. And uh, subsequently, I um, had one older brother that um, had substance abuse problems, but he went through 12-step program and, and uh, started attending Catholic Church. So I'm not sure where his salvation is at this point, but... Uh, my two younger brothers married Christian women, became uh, Christians, and are both serve as deacons in their churches at this point. My mother uh, passed away in 92. Uh, in the uh, summer of 91, she had a Christian lady next door who happened to lead her to Christ the summer before she passed away in the next January. And after that, Dad uh, uh, moved away and then moved back, and he moved close to one of my brothers who is a deacon in the church and started attending church with him. Uh, he was diagnosed with cancer in the fall of 2014, uh, stage four. Uh, both of my brothers who lived close to him, I was still always far away from my family and couldn't be there one-on-one with them. Um, but they made sure that he knew and he hadn't received Christ as his savior. So five out of six of us have been saved and have been redeemed. And... Uh, when we gather together now at one of my brother's homes for celebrations, there's always prayer, which was never in our home before. So God has blessed me through that. Come to know Christ. And it begins with prayer. If you're not a praying person, you're not going to find yourself in alignment with God's purpose with your life. Look at verse 2 again. Paul says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. If we're going to see loved ones and, and friends, family members come to know Christ, we need to be people of prayer. We need to be steadfast in the things of the Lord. We need to be devoted to Him. We need to be working this out in our life. And we need to be watchful of what God is doing around us. We need to have our antennas up. We need to be living lives, lives with thanksgiving. And we don't have thankful hearts if we're not steadfastly devoted to Him. 
It's more than just what happens uh, on a Sunday morning. This has got to be a part of our lives. And as we're steadfastly devoted to him, we're going to be doing two things. Paul tells us in this passage of scriptures, we're going to be talking to, to God about others. And we're going to be talking to others about God. So I want to focus on those two things this morning. And the first is speaking to God about others, being people of prayer. Now, the question is, what do we pray about? If we're going to align ourselves with uh, God's purpose for our lives, what, what two things that do we need to be praying about according to what Paul tells us here? Well, the first thing that we need to be praying about is an open door. God give us an open door. And we, and Paul says in verse three, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now, Paul is exhorting the, the church at Colossae to pray for an open door, particularly for Paul, when Paul's in prison. You would think that being in prison, there's not much of an opportunity to uh, share the good news of the gospel. But right there in chains, Paul is telling the church, pray that he might have an open door to share the gospel. And according to the, to, to the Bible, we know that God opens and closes doors. You have in your outline this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 and Revelation chapter 3 verse 8. God has the ability to open doors in our life. But if we're not being steadfast, if we're not being devoted to him with our antennas up, watchful of the things that are going on around us, we're going to miss those open doors. You know, as a church, we have wonderful open doors of ministry here at Emmanuel. I think of our mops ministry, mothers of preschoolers. We have, uh, how many, how many young moms are coming right now? 50, 45 to 50? 54 total, okay. And how many children in the nursery and the daycare for mopettes? You know, we're probably pushing 70 there. But these are young moms in our community, many of them, they don't have any church connection whatsoever. They're, they're just looking for some, some relationship with some other young moms. And we've got mom mentors at each table and they're building relationships with those, with those mothers. And if you're a mentor listening to my words right now, you need to be watching for those open doors to share the love of Jesus Christ in gospel conversations. Mopettes workers, volunteers, 
uh, as you lovingly receive those children and care for those children and give them back to their mothers gladly at the end of that morning, you need to be thankful for the opportunity for having ministered and served them. This is an open this is an open door for us to to share and to show the love of Jesus. Monday night meal ministry. We see feeds 75 to 100 people on Monday nights for free. And there are opportunities at that table to have gospel conversations, just get to know one another. But again, looking anticipating those open doors where we can share and show the love of Christ. The Good News Clubs, which are beginning. uh, Debbie, when are Good News Clubs beginning? October 26th. These are um, Bible clubs after school in our elementary schools. Wonderful opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with these children. In a day and age when, you know, it's it's... The, the schools are closed to the gospel. Um, we have the opportunity to, to share uh, the love of Christ through these good news clubs. And how many elementary schools are we in through churches combined? Okay, we're in four and we're hoping to add two more. This is, this is awesome. Another open door opportunity is our Harvest Festival coming up, the end of this month. And, uh, you know, we've always had the good news bracelets, uh, the gospel bracelets. We've had a booth for that. Uh, last year, we encouraged kids when they spied a pastor or an elder, you know, they, they were given a card and they had to repeat this uh, scripture verse and then go and, and get the candy bar. Well, this year, we're going to be asking the, the, the children, do you know what this verse means? Would you like to know more about what this verse means? And if they, if they would like to have that opportunity to discuss with someone further, we want to have people who just want to sit down with these children or parents and share the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe there are going to be many open doors on October 31st. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, Carson Sween had a uh, had a fundraising dinner last night. It was awesome. I think uh, they he received probably over. I saw Ralph give me a statistic, and I forgot to. I uh, should have taken a picture of it, but I think uh, in total it came to over four thousand dollars in monthly support. Okay, and uh, yeah, give God a clap offering. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We are going to have huddles on Burroughs Campus, ICS, junior high campuses. Well, we're entrusting God to provide a full-time Fellowship of Christian Athletes director. They had their first huddle this last Friday. You know how many kids were at their, this first huddle? 36 high school students. Okay? God has given us an open door on a public high school campus. God is up to something. 
And as people are praying, as they're watchful, as they're thankful to what God is doing, God is going to use each of us. So the first thing that you need to, if you've got lost people in your life or coworkers, friends, you need to be praying for an open door. That's what Paul was requesting in verse 3. Not only was he requesting that they pray for an open door, but he was praying for clarity, that they would pray that uh, Paul would be clear about the gospel, that he wouldn't make it cloudy, but that he would make it crystal clear. Like we prayed just a, a few minutes ago, you know, people are wondering what in the world would possess a person to uh, take so many people's lives. We live in a dark and depraved world, and we were reminded of it one more time last Sunday night. <clears throat> And there is only one hope, church, that can transform a person's life. It's not more religion. It's not a bigger bank account. Think about this. This man was a millionaire. He was set for the rest of his life. But it wasn't a big bank account that transformed his heart or like he was still full of hate and rage and did the things that he did. It's not achieving the American dream. It's not more privilege. There's a group of people who want to remove all of religion from society. They're thinking that if we have no religion, it's it's religion that keeps us from getting along with each other. This man claimed no religion whatsoever. We can't make that argument. The only answer and and uh, the only uh, answer to the question what possessed this man was a dark and depraved mind, and heart. And only God's word says that he can transform that heart of stone into a life of flesh. It is only Jesus that can do this. And so as God gives us those open doors, we need to be praying that we will make the gospel clear. That we won't be answering questions that they're not asking. That we'll just keep it simple. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose. And he did that because he wants to be in relationship with you. You know, in the Old Testament, God was mysterious. God was hiding behind a curtain in a temple. But when Jesus died on that cross, the veil was torn in two. two. There was now direct access to God through the person of Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus died for our sin that we, that he might be able to live in you and I. He's no longer in a temple. He's in people's hearts. And he wants to be in those hearts who are dark and depraved, that are have hearts of stone. Only Jesus can transform a person's heart. And we just need to keep it clear. And we need to keep it simple. That's what Colossians chapter, the book of Colossians is all about. Christ in you. The hope of glory. People without Christ, as they lo- watch the events again that occurred in, in Las Vegas, for many, they don't have answers to their questions. Only Christianity answers that question. And the reason why it occurred is because millennials ago, a man and a woman rebelled against God's wishes, plans, directives for their life. And sin entered the world. And we have been reaping the consequences ever since. And the only thing that can change the heart, an evil, dark heart, is the person of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, pray. Pray for open doors. Pray that what I say is clear. And that needs to be the same prayer for our life. As we're focusing on our one, okay, and I hope you have one. And if you're not, if you don't have one, most likely is because you are not steadfast in your relationship with him. We need to be devoted to him. We need him each and every moment of our lives. And as we are dependent upon him, God is going to use you, me, us to do, introduce others to Christ. So pray. Pray for open doors and for clarity. And about clarity, you need to be praying for me. You need to be praying that I will be clear in praying for the gospel. And you know what? If, if you're praying for me that I will be clear, guess what? My sermons will be shorter. (laughs) Okay? And if my sermons are really long because I'm trying to get my point across, it's your fault because you're not praying for me. (laughs) Just kidding. But pray. Yes, pray for your pastor that I can be clear about the gospel. So we talk to, um, to we, we talk about God, um, we talk to God about others, but the second point in this text this morning is that we speak to others about God in verses 5 and 6. Now, let's look at verse 5 for a moment. Paul's telling us to do a personal inventory of our life, okay? To step back for a minute and evaluate how we come across to others. Look at verse 5. 
walk in wisdom towards, toward the outsiders, making the best use of the time. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And so my question to you this morning, and take a realistic look, evaluation of your life, is how do I come across to others who don't believe like me? Coworkers, peers. Do I behave or do certain things that um, create um, an obstacle in them of me being able to share the gospel? How am I walking before others? If my life was put on trial, would be, there be enough evidence against me or against you of, of being a follower of Jesus Christ? I hope so. We need to be walking in a way that doesn't hinder the gospel, doesn't hinder my ability to connect with others. And as we're steadfastly devoted, if we're pursuing Him first and foremost, and as we're being watchful, we're praying for those op, uh, open doors, we're, we want to be clear about our testimony, you know, it's going to heal relationships. That disconnect that we might have with people right now. God wants you and I to connect with others. And for us to connect, to have an opportunity to walk through that open door, our lives have got to be in alignment with God's purpose for our life. He wants to use us. So pray for open doors that they might not shut because of your behavior. How am I walking before others? And then also what coincides with our behavior is our words. How do we talk to others? Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, Let your speech... Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. That means our words need to be attractive. They need to make a a, a difference. They need to be flavorful. You know, what happens when you're eating a meal and and, um, it tastes kind of bland? You season it with salt, don't you? And when you season it with salt, man, it can can make a real difference of that meal. It's 
it can become very flavorful. That needs to be our speech. That needs to be our language. It needs to be graceful and it needs to be uh, seasoned. It needs to be attractive. My question to you is in your conversations, and I'm not just talking about you know, your conversations with lost people. I'm just talking about your conversations in general. There could be converse, there should be could be lost people within that group of people that you're you're talking to, or you could be talking to um, another believer in Christ, but you can be overheard by others. But my question is, is it easy for you to go off on people who are living in sin? That you just have the, the tendency to let loose on a sinful culture? I'm guilty. You know, there's, there's times where I'm not patient with things that are going on around us. There's been episodes, sermons in years past, where I've been critical of people struggling with a particular sin. And they're not necessarily in their, in this, in this room, but I'm just letting people have, have it. That's not what Paul's telling us to do in this passage of scripture. Paul is telling us, let our conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. You know, if you're letting somebody have it by not talking directly to that, you may be talking about something that somebody is struggling with within the context of your voice. And when you are ugly like that, you are being a hindrance to the gospel. People are drawing conclusions Lost people are drawing conclusions about who you are. They're drawing conclusions about Christians in general and the church. You know, I, I hear a lot that it's the church, it's what's being said behind the pulpit that the lost world is finding so offensive and they don't want to darken the, the doors of the church. I don't think it's happening behind the pulpit. I think it's happening with unsuspecting people who are unaware of those around them struggling with sin. And they don't hear words of grace. Their language isn't seasoned with salt. Flavorful, making it better for others. Making it inviting, intriguing. No, they're just lambasting culture. In Jesus' day, now get this, in Jesus' day, people who weren't welcomed at the church or welcomed at the temple or didn't fit in with people who attended the the temple, 
or didn't like the temple. They liked Jesus. And Jesus liked them back. How did that happen? People who didn't fit in with the temple, didn't like the temple, the people associated with the temple, they liked Jesus. And Jesus liked them back. Why? Because Jesus was full of grace and truth. His his language was seasoned with salt. It was, it was attractive. Now, does that mean that Jesus was light on sin? No, he wasn't light on sin. He told the woman who was caught in adultery to go and sin no more. The woman at the well, he knew all about her life, that those husbands that uh, never worked out, they were never going to fill the void in her life. Only Jesus had the answer that would fill the void. Jesus loved. Jesus cared. He didn't go off on people who were caught and trapped in sin. He loved them where they were, they were at. And lost people were attracted to him. And he liked them back. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 22. The Bible says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? People ask. Jesus was full of grace and truth and was non-judgmental. When it came to the ministry of Jesus, everyone was invited to the table of grace and truth. He didn't see people in two different categories. Jesus didn't... just see Republicans and Democrats. He just saw people who were lost, who were without a shepherd, who needed a savior. Jesus didn't differentiate between standers and kneelers. Jesus didn't differentiate between straight and gay. Jesus didn't differentiate between rich and poor. Jew, Samaritan, or Roman, healthy or disabled, invited or uninvited. He didn't differentiate between blue lives or uh, black lives. All lives mattered to Jesus. He didn't differentiate. I guess if he did differentiate, he differentiated towards the people who were marginalized, who didn't fit in, who needed a friend, who needed a hug, who were disenfranchised. That's whom Jesus would differentiate. That's whom Jesus would gravitate to. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus... 
neither circumcision or uncircumcision have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Church, we need to align ourselves with God's purpose for our life. And God's purpose for our life is to be his ambassador. And there are people around you that God wants to use you to plant seeds, to maybe bring into relationship with Christ. And it starts with prayer. We have to be steadfast. We need to be, have to be devoted. God needs to be the priority of our life. And as he is, as we're longing for him, hungering for him, uh, pursuing him, he's going to make us watchful of what's happening around us. We need to be praying for open doors and we need to be praying for clarity and we need to take a healthy evaluation of how we're walking before others. Am I being a stumbling block by the way I behave? And friend, if you are, you need to repent. You need to repent and do be whom God wants you to be. Stop being so ugly and critical in your language. And as I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. And I've said things out loud that I'm sure were offensive to people struggling in sin. And they, they labeled me. They labeled the church. They labeled Christians in general. And maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, are you telling us that we need to be politically correct? Well, think about Jesus. Jesus was concerned about political correctness. He didn't want to come across in any way offensive that might be a hindrance to the gospel. Jesus was politically neutral so that he could have a ministry to Republicans or Democrats or Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter. You might be finding this offensive right now as they say these things. But it's all about the gospel. It's not about getting our own personal preferences across. God using us. Now, yes, we need to be people of truth. What would God have to say about this matter? But we need to be very careful 
in our words so that we might have an open door. Look at what Paul says again. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Christian, our language must be seasoned with grace and love so that the love of Christ might shine through our life. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Okay? We're talking about alignment here in our devotion and being watchful and being thankful. Christ needs to be Lord of our lives. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Friend, if you are a person who is full of grace, that you're living the life that Jesus lived, and you have nothing but love and compassion and concern, particularly for those who are struggling in sin, lost people, sinners, tax gatherers, are going to like you. And they're going to ask you, what's different about you? And you're going to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have. But it begins with being set apart as Christ being Lord of your life. Who's your one? I've got one. I haven't been able to interact with them this last week, but there's one I'm praying for, and and I hope to interact with him this week. If you don't have one, it doesn't start by finding one. It starts with prayer. Seeking Him first and foremost. Be steadfastly devoted to Him. And if you don't have one, this morning, I want God to convict your heart. I want the Holy Spirit to convict your heart because this is God's purpose for our life. That we be aligned with Him Don't worry about what you're going to say. Just be people of grace and truth and love. Be Jesus. Let's pray.
God, I needed this message more than anybody else. Because I know when I'm not pursuing you, pursuing you, God, I live in tunnel vision. It's, it's the survival of the fittest and I'm just trying to get through the day. God, that's not your purpose for my life. God, may we passionately pursue you. And through that heart that's devoted to you, God, make us aware of what's happening around us, the people that are intersecting our lives. God, help us to watch for those open doors. Help us to be clear about the good news of the gospel. We are the people with the only answer to what happened this last week. And people are asking. God, may our behavior, may our language not be a hindrance to the gospel. And if it has been, God, help us to repent. And thank you for the example that you give us in Jesus. Help us to be like Jesus. Father, we love you and we praise you and pray that you will use this message in our life this week and the life of this church as we go through this series this month. And may it not just be this month, but God, may it be for the rest of our lives. In Christ's name we pray.